Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit HopeChurchLV.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast to help spread Hope Church to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. If you've been around Hope for any length of time at all, I want to begin today by telling you a story that you have heard before. But I want to tell you a part of the story that I've never really shared with you before. In September of 1999, God placed a unique call on my family's life. It was a missionary call. God spoke one morning. I was in my devotional time reading through the Gospel of Luke chapter 4 and a verse that I've shared with you probably hundreds of times, Luke chapter 4, verse 43. I'll put back up here on the screen. And I was, I was reading, pursuing Christ's life in the Gospels. And what I mean by that is in my own devotional life, I was just looking for some stuff in Jesus that wasn't in me. And I came to this verse of Scripture that morning, and the Holy Spirit of God just stopped me dead in my tracks. These are the words of Christ. And he said, I must preach the kingdom of God. To the other cities also, for I was, say this word out loud. Say it one more time. Sent. Jesus said about himself, he was sent for this purpose. Jesus understood his life to be on mission. That word sent is a Greek word. It's the word apostello. We get an English word from it, the word apostle. It literally is a word that means to be sent forth on a mission. Jesus understood that his own life, there was this passion of Jesus to see the kingdom of God expanded to other cities, and he understood that his life on earth was literally on a mission sent from the Father. And that morning, I saw something in that by the power of the Holy Spirit in my own life that deeply convicted me. I went and got my wife, who's sitting over here. We knelt down in our apartment or our house in, in Memphis, Tennessee, and we simply said yes to the Lord. You say, what was the question? We didn't know what the question was. We just knew that God had placed an apostolic missionary call on our lives. We really didn't know what that meant. We were even open to, we really thought that what God was doing was calling us to leave America and to go to some other country and some other culture and spend the rest of our lives learning another language and digging into a people to see the kingdom of God expanded in that location and place and culture in that part of the world. We knew that God had called us as missionaries to go. Very shortly, after discerning that call of God to be sent out, God gave us our assignment. God filled in the blank to the question with the city of Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, when, when you understood that God had called us to Las Vegas, there was parts of that that was very encouraging. Like, we didn't have to learn another language. Well, at least not a totally new language. <laughs> Being from Alabama, coming to Las Vegas, it is a little different language, but not totally. 
We got to have Walmart. Everybody spoke English. We had restaurants, so we didn't have to go overseas. Like, like we were excited, but there was also a, a hesitancy because, man, Las Vegas was far from home for us. Like, we'd literally never been west of the Mississippi River. So this was a massive step in our lives, but we knew that God had called us to this city as missionaries to come, and that ultimately Las Vegas was going to be a launching pad to reach the western United States and the world for his glory and honor. For 22 years, I've had the privilege in that missionary call of serving as the senior pastor of this great fellowship that God birthed here that has begun to engage churches from all over America to join in God's activity here in this city and in the West and throughout the world. But for 22 years, I've said something consistently to you. I've told you I've always been more missionary than pastor. I've even said sometimes you got shortchanged because you got a pastor who's really a missionary doing the job of a pastor. So you didn't have the, the real pastor. And that's a significant statement. And I always meant it when I said it. I'm more missionary. God brought my family here as missionaries. You say, why is that statement so significant? I want to put a diagram up here on the screen. This is from the International Mission Board that is an organization we partner with here at Hope that has 3,800 plus missionaries in over 150 countries around the world. And if it's okay for you for just a moment, I want to invite you into a seminary class on Missiology 101. Are you good with that? If you're good with that, say amen. If you're not good with that, we're going to do it anyway. So I wasn't really asking for permission. But I want to teach you Missiology 101. Here are the six components of the missionary task. First is entry. The missionary is called by God and parachutes into a location, a place, a culture, and begins to plant their lives. And then, after entering, begins to do evangelism, begins at hope, we would say, to engage the city with the gospel. For me, that looked like coaching Little League Baseball when I got here. I got here, began to live out my life coaching Little League Baseball, began to build relationships, and the first 12 families that I led to Christ, I led to Christ through coaching Little League Baseball. You begin to engage the city with the gospel and do evangelism. Then you begin to make disciples, and then healthy churches are formed. That's what happened here at Hope. We engaged the city with the gospel. People began to come to Christ. Disciples were made, and then, boom, a church was born called Hope Church. Then you begin to develop leaders out of this fellowship and raise them up to send them out. And all of this done out of the overflow of abiding in Christ. But there's one last step of the missionary task. And it's to exit. You see, the missionary's job is never to build the ministry in such a way that it rests on the work and the labor and the gifts of the missionary. The missionary task is to come into a context and raise up indigenous leadership and see a multiplying, reproducing church that can be led by indigenous leadership that can then pass that baton on from generation to generation in that culture. Which means from the first day that I got to Las Vegas, it has been my aim to work myself out of a job. Why? Because that's the call of the missionary. That's the assignment that the Lord gives. I prayed the Lord would let me see it in my lifetime, but I didn't really know. 
Because sometimes the work of a missionary, before there's indigenous leadership raised up, it's a couple of generations of missionaries before that happens. It doesn't always happen in one generation. I prayed the Lord would let me see it in my lifetime, but, but I didn't know. I knew this much. I knew I was pastoring my last church. I knew that, that, that I was not going to go anywhere else and pastor another church. If I was going to die a pastor, I was going to die a pastor right here at Oak Church in Las Vegas. But I prayed that God would allow me to see the next generation of leadership raised up. And in 2020, that began to happen. I really had two primary roles here in the city. One was pastoring Hope Church. The other was being the city catalyst for a church planning movement in the city of Las Vegas that I've led now for 20 years. We've seen over 20, 25 churches that have been planted here in our city through partnerships with churches all over the country. And in 2020, I passed that baton to a young man who's now pastoring a church in our city named Hayden Ratner. Hayden Ratner was raised up here in our fellowship, discipled and sent out, planted the great walk church that's here in our city. And in 2020, Hayden became the, the Sin City missionary for Sin Network, leading that catalytic movement to see churches multiplied here in our city. So one part of that task happened for me in 2020. And as of this weekend, I get the privilege of finishing the task of the missionary. God has raised up a young man who calls Las Vegas his hometown. He was born in California, but he got to Nevada as quick as he could like everybody else from California. God's raised him up to lead this great fellowship into the next generation of joining into God's kingdom activity. And let me just say publicly and as passionately as I can, I cannot be more excited to call this young man my pastor. Because you see, as a missionary... We're living in an Acts 13 moment where we're being sent out, but, but this is still our church family. We are still going to be a part of this fellowship. This young man is going to be my pastor. So today I get the privilege to preach the installation of Scott Worthington as the new senior pastor of Hope Church. <laughs> Amen, Scott. Amen. <laughs> You're the pastor, but I'm taking that out of your time, all right? That's, uh... People have asked me, how does it feel? <laughs> how does it feel for you to do this? Well, to be honest, it's a range of emotions. And the only way I know how to describe it is it's similar to what I felt when my first daughter got married. Three of my four children are now married. Two of them are boys. When boys get married, it's different, right? Come on, dads, it's different. When the boys get married, you're excited they're getting married, right? <laughs> get your stinky self out of my house, amen? <laughs> there will now be milk in the refrigerator when I go to the refrigerator. But when the daughters go, it's, it's different, right, dads? It's different. I'll never forget, we were over in the other building over there when our, oldest, our, our first daughter, our oldest child, Hannah, got married to Christian Gracia. And there's a lot of emotion in that moment. This little girl that her mom and I had been entrusted to raise and send out into the world, but at the same time, as emotional as it was, 
And if you were there that night, you, you know it was emotional. I was like, I was blubbering all over myself. But it was also right to put our hand in that young man's hand because the task God had given us was parenting. And that task came to an end that day. Not every child has this as part of God's purpose for their life marriage, but that was part of God's plan for Hannah's life. And, and so a finish line moment for us was placing her hand into the hand of the man that God had raised up for her so that now they could walk out into the future as missionaries of God being sent out into the world to join in God's activity however he chose to bless their family. It was emotional, but it was right. And that's exactly how I feel right now. It's emotional, but it is so right because God called us here as missionaries. And our task was to raise up indigenous leadership. And today we get the privilege of being a part of that. So, so let me tell you a little bit about my relationship with Pastor Scott before we jump into God's word. My relationship with Pastor Scott happened, it started when he was 21 years old. He was 21 years old. He joined our team as our student minister. And actually, I did not hire Scott. Pastor Travis hired Scott. Pastor Travis sitting over here. Pastor Scott's right here. They, were, they, they, they go to the same barber. You can tell by looking at them, right? <laughs> two decades at Hope turned my hair gray. Two, a decade at Hope, and they lost all of theirs, right? <laughs> but Travis brought Scott on our team. And let me just say this parenthetically before I move on past this. Uh, Pastor Travis, let me just say to you, man, I have never been prouder in my life of watching you lead. You were entrusted last December to lead this transition period. And with integrity and transparency and dependence on the Holy Spirit of God, never wanting the limelight on yourself, Behind the scenes, this church will never know the way that you stewarded and sh shaped this transition period. Even with last weekend, I was sitting over here last weekend and watched you with transparency and character share what God was doing in your heart. And man, I'm just telling you, we need more examples like that. What a blessing. But Pastor Travis is the one that found Scott. Pastor Travis brought him on our team and we went off together. Scott, you remember this, on our first pastor retreat together we took a handful of pastors up to a cabin uh, up in the woods Jamie and Gidget here we we used the cabin you guys used to have up there and we went up to a cabin up in the mountains in Utah and we went up there to a pastor's retreat and and it's all these pastors and then Scott the young kid the new guy and you know how sometimes young guys just think more of themselves than they ought to well that became very apparent at this first retreat <laughs> So much so that out of frustration on the way home in the car, here's what I said to Travis. I said, Travis, if you don't deal with this arrogant kid, he won't last six months on our team. <laughs> Travis got back to the office, popped Scott in the nose, not literally, but spiritually. And here's what I want to say. To watch this young man in humility respond to that kind of challenge in his life. And to watch him over the last 15 years grow in intimacy with Christ and maturity in leadership and discipline and integrity in leading his family has been an incredible privilege. Every time we gave him more responsibility, he excelled in every single way. 
even to the point, listen, this is a significant moment. About, I don't know if my timeline's four or five years ago, somewhere in that period, Teddy and I have been working together now for 17 years. And, and Pastor Teddy, next to my relationship to my wife, the most important relationship I got in my life is Pastor Teddy, right? When you are, when you're leading worship together week in and week out, there is a sensitivity about that relationship that only a pastor and a worship pastor can really understand. So it's a precious relationship. And for, for all these years, Teddy's reported directly to me. And about four years ago, five years ago, we restructured our team. Teddy's our lead pastor of worship ministries, but our worship ministries moved under a bigger umbrella of gatherings and environments. And we decided to, to elevate Scott to lead that gatherings and environments team, which meant now Teddy, this gifted with more experience and more years in ministry, is now reporting to Pastor Scott. And... We watched that play out, and about a year into that, Teddy, you remember this. You came to me about a year in, and here's what Teddy said. Teddy said, I know who the next senior pastor of Hope Church is going to be. And I said, who's that? He said, Scott Worthington. Let me tell you, that told me everything I needed to know about this young man right there. Listen, anybody can lead down. Lead people that are younger than you, less experienced than you, not as qualified as you, but it takes a rare character of leadership to lead people that are older than you, with more experience than you, especially somebody with the gifting and anointing of God like Teddy Johnson has on his life. And I knew then that God had raised up something special in Pastor Scott. So I actually approached him a few years ago, and we were sitting in my office, and I said, Scott, do you ever think there'd be a day when God may call you to something like the seat that I sit in? And after I picked him up out of the floor... <laughs> He looked at me and he said, you know, I've never really aspired to anything but what God's put in front of me, but I think if the Lord opened that door, I would, I would be open to that. And then Scott said, man, why don't we, he came back to me and said, hey, let's do a leadership podcast together. Not to be total transparent, I'd never listened to a podcast in my life. Uh, it wasn't my thing, but Scott had a passion for it, and I thought, man, this is a way I can spend several hours a month just talking leadership with this young guy. So for the last four years, Scott and I did a podcast together that he's the brains behind. He did all the work, uh, but I got to spend hours every month just talking leadership with Scott, believing with intentionality that God had a special plan on his life here at Hope Church, and today I get the joy of installing him as our new senior pastor, and I want to do that. If you got your Bible, turn to the book of Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 is one of the most significant leadership transitions in the history of God's people. Moses to Joshua. Now, I am in no way insinuating in the reading of this passage of Scripture that I am Moses or that this is this big a deal. But here's what I'm saying. If this can work, this going to be fine. Joshua 1.1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, to my knowledge, I'm not dying. So don't read more into this than is there. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I've given to you, just as I promised to Moses. 
from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous. Listen to this. Being careful. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand nor to the left hand that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night so that you may be careful. There it is again. Be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, or, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In the first two verses of this text of Scripture, there's a headline that would have gripped the soul of every member of the nation of Israel. Moses is dead. Out of this passage of Scripture, I want to share with you three things that are a biblical foundation that I want to use to pass this baton today to Pastor Scott. And here's the first one. God's workers always change. Either through death or reassignment. God's workers are always temporary. They don't last forever. As excited as I am today to pass the baton to Pastor Scott and see him installed as the new senior pastor, even though Scott, through CrossFit, looks like a Calvin Klein underwear model. <laughs> With all of his health and all of his, his, his vitality, even Scott will not last forever. <laughs> None of us last forever. As a matter of fact, the next senior pastor of Hope Church may be getting his diaper changed over in the nursery this Sunday morning. God's workers always change. I'm sure the children of Israel thought Moses would last forever. Moses was the staple. God's people experienced a lot of change from captivity in Egypt to the promised land. But one thing was certain for 40 years. Moses was the guy we are following God spoke through Moses. God led through Moses. God did miracles through Moses. God provided through Moses. Moses was the constant from the book of Exodus all the way to the book of Joshua. Four books of the Torah describe the ministry of this man, Moses. The one book that doesn't describe his ministry was a part of his ministry, Genesis. Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. He led the children of Israel out of captivity after 400 years. He ushered the plagues in Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He led them through the wilderness. He provided manna for them to eat. He caused water to flow from a rock. He received the Ten Commandments. His face shone with the glory of God. And then Moses died. The one the people thought was indispensable was disposed. 
The one constant through all the highs and lows over decades was now a variable. Here's the reality. Spiritual leaders are simply vessels God has chosen to use for a specific period of time. But don't miss this. God is the one at work. Read this last part with me out loud. God is the one at work. All the things that I just described for you that are attributed to the ministry of Moses were not the work of Moses. They were the work of God through Moses. At Hope, we've enjoyed 22 years of supernatural activity. This is a special place. I'll never forget Gene Apple telling me one day, he said, Vance, don't miss it. You're, too cl you're so close to the miracle, you may miss what God's doing. We've seen miracles, victories, provision, blessing, life change, favor. But hear me. None of that was the work of Pastor Vance or anyone else on this team. It was the work of God. And listen, God is still in charge. He's still in charge. I was telling someone the story of this transition this week. They're not a member of Hope, and I was telling them about what God was doing and raising up indigenous leadership. And here's the question they asked me. They said, how do you know Scott is ready? And Scott, here's what I told him. He's not. But he's more ready than I was when God sent me out here at 28 years old, having never been west of the Mississippi River, having never planted a church before in my life, and having never pastored a church that ran more than 600 people. He's way more ready than I am, than I was. When God called me here, and here's the bottom line, the same God, Scott, that's been faithful to me for 22 years is the same God who's going to be faithful to you. Let me say this, too. You know what we need? We don't need the guy that thinks he's ready. We need the guy who knows he's not and is so desperate for the Holy Spirit of God that unless God shows up, he's sunk. I don't know how long he'll do it, but since we announced this transition taking place, Scott's been getting up 5 o'clock every morning just walking and talking to God. You know why? Because he knows he can't do this without him. Don't lose that desperation, man. Don't lose it. I've had to always remind myself that we're as desperate today, 22 years into this, with all these trappings as we were when there was 18 people sitting in my living room. We're desperate. You're desperate. Let me give you a verse that's become a life verse for me. Out of 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, I love this. Faithful is he who calls you. Listen, as sure as God called me here 22 years ago, 
God has called this young man to lead us into the future of expanding God's kingdom through this fellowship. And that God is faithful. Faithful is he who calls you. I love the first part, but the second part's even better. And he also will bring it to pass. Here's what that means, Scott. He's not just faithful in calling you. He didn't call you and say, all right, Scott, now it's up to you. Come up with a plan. He already has a plan. It's not about you creating a dream. It's not about you casting vision. It's about you sitting before the Father here hearing what the Father is doing, and then leading us as the people to join in the activity of God. And he is always faithful. God's workers always change. Number two, God's work never ceases. As you continue reading in verses 3 through 5, you see that the people of God are still continuing in the promise of God. The work of God didn't end with the life of Moses. As a matter of fact, God had made a promise to his people that was much bigger than Moses. It actually began way back in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve. God had made a promise with Adam and Eve that he would one day send a, a Messiah who would come through the seed of a woman in Genesis 3.15. And then another significant part of that promise happened in Genesis 12 when God spoke to Abram and changed his name then to Abraham a little later on and said, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. And God made a covenant through Abraham's seed that he was going to reach the nations. All the families of the earth will be blessed. Then from Abraham, that was his son Isaac, this promised one. And then from Isaac, that was Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons that continued to carry on the mission of God. One of them was Joseph, and that's how the people wound up in Egypt. Then God raised up Moses. Moses comes on the scene out of the tribe of Levi, and now Moses leads them out of captivity. And from, from, from Adam and Eve to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph, now to Moses, and now to Joshua, the baton is being passed. Here's the point. The mission of God is bigger than any one person or place. We're a part of something that is so much bigger than us. I've shared with you this verse before out of Psalm 33, but I want to leave it with you again. Psalm 33, verse 11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart are from, say it out loud, generation to generation. We've said this over and over at Hope Church. Man, that what God is doing is bigger than our church. It's bigger than our city. It's bigger than our country. But here's what I want us to understand. What God is doing is not just bigger than us geographically. What God is doing is bigger than us generationally. What God is doing right now, we're simply stewarding a story that started long before we got involved in it and will continue long after we're all the scene, off the scene. We've had a responsibility for 22 years to steward that together. Now, Scott, God is placing that responsibility into your hands. You are simply a steward of the story. Here's what I'm saying. It's not Vance's church. It's not Scott's church. It's not even your church. It's his church for the expansion of his kingdom and we're all in our season and generation stewards of a much bigger story. But God's work never ceases. You see, we're a part of the eternal redemptive mission of God that began in the book of Genesis and will continue into eternity. You say, Pastor, how can, how can we be sure? How can we be sure that the work of God will continue? Not based on the character of our leaders. It's based on the character of God. Let me show you something interesting. God is giving Joshua assurance. Can you imagine being Joshua? His only title was Moses' assistant. 
And now here he is on the stage with all the children of Israel looking to him as the leader. And God in this text is speaking to Joshua, but I find this interesting. God's assurance to Joshua had nothing to do with Joshua. He didn't say, Joshua, you can do this. He didn't say, Joshua, you're a gifted leader. You can carry this on. He didn't say, Joshua, you got experience. You're the man. Now, listen what he said. God said, I will be with you. I swore to the fathers to give them the land. I have commanded you. Here's the point. Look at this. On the, I wrote this down. The mission of God being accomplished in the world did not rest in the competency and character of Joshua. It rested in the competency and character of God, and God is faithful. He will finish what he started. He'll finish what he started. Number three. God's workers always change. God's work never ceases. Number three, God's word never fails. His word never fails. How do we, as God's workers, join in the activity of God accomplishing God's work? It's very simple. We follow what he said in this book. God has given us in his word everything we need to guide us, to lead us, to grow us, to shape us. The marching orders are found in Scripture. Twice in these verses, and Scott, I want you to hear this. Twice in encouraging Joshua as he takes the lead. Twice God says to Joshua, be careful. Be careful. It's a phrase that means to pay attention to, to guard closely, to watch over with care. What is he telling him to be careful about? To be careful to do according to everything that's written in this book. In between the two be carefuls is the phrase, do not turn to the right or to the left. Scott, as you move forward, there will be many voices vying for your attention we live in a world today of noise there's a lot of noise out there there's a lot of noise in here vying for your attention emails phone calls text messages direct messages on social media God help us all Anonymous letters. By the way, as your pastor for 22 years, you need to know if you didn't have the courage to sign it, I didn't have the time to read it. <laughs> Scott, I'd encourage you to do the same thing. I always talk to my assistants that if it's not signed, file it in the garbage can. I won't read it. I'll read anything you sign, but I'm not reading something you ain't signed, and I ain't wasting my time on that. It's got all these messages, all these voices will vie for your attention, but there is one voice that must rise above them all, and that is the voice of God speaking through his word, which means you must be one who consistently converses with the Lord in his word, not just to preach it, 
but to hear from God. To hear his voice. That's the challenge that God is giving to Joshua. It's the challenge I want to give to you today. It's, it's why in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the scripture says this, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Listen, stuff's going to come. Stuff's going to happen. The world's going to change. But I'm telling you, this book stands forever. So based on those three biblical principles, let me give you three practical conclusions that I want to say to you as a church and then to Pastor Scott. And then we're going to pray over him and set him apart as the new senior pastor of this fellowship. First of all, I want to say something to the church. There is always a worker to follow. They change, but there's always one that God raises up to follow. For 22 years, I've had the incredible privilege and joy of being that leader that you look to to follow. And it has been one of the great joys of my life. But as sure as God called me, God has now called Scott. And now it is on us to follow Jesus by following him. That doesn't mean he's perfect. That doesn't mean he's infallible. It just means Jesus is the chief shepherd. Pastor Scott is now the under shepherd. And we follow the Lord by submitting to his leadership. Now, if there's something immoral and biblical, that's not what I'm talking about. But as long as he is following Christ, our responsibility is to submit to his leadership. And here's what Hebrews 13 says about how we're to do it. Listen to what it says. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they, listen, this phrase, as a pastor for, for 30 years in my own life, this phrase weighs heavy on a man of God. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Everybody thinks they can do the job the pastor's supposed to do better than the pastor. I've been to a church, so I know how to lead one. Listen, that may be true. You may know better how to do it than me or better than Scott, but here's the difference. You hadn't been called to do that here right now. You hadn't been called to do that here, which means this. You can say whatever you want to. We can't. We're going to give an account for that someday. We have one who we will stand before who's entrusted the shepherding of your souls to us. And he has to give an account for that. That's a heavy weight, Scott, that's been placed on you. So we should in honor and respect submit to that leadership. And it says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. <laughs> We're ascending church at Hope. We're experiencing a ascending moment right now. Pastor Travis and I both being sent out as missionaries like a Barnabas and Saul in Acts 13 being sent out. You're sending us out. As ascending church, i got to be totally honest with you, there have been some people through the years, I've prayed for God to send them. You say, that's not very spiritual. Hey, it's just who I am. I'm just being honest. I ain't got to hide anything anymore. I'm out, right? What are you going to do, stop paying me? In ministry, it's called blessed subtraction. 
You say, who were they? I'm not telling you. That's between me and Jesus. I see Pastor Doug Meyer. He knows what I'm talking about. He's prayed for some people like that before in his church. Listen, you and I need to follow the leadership of this guy. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Anytime a long-term leader, like I've been here 22 years founding pastor, anytime a leader like that transitions out, there are some people in this fellowship who thought maybe for some time, well, Pastor Vance just isn't leading us right. He isn't making the right decisions. But they've not been courageous enough to challenge the founding long-term leader. They'll find some courage with a new leader. And listen to me, church. That's not Scott's job to root that out. That's your job. You, the church. You protect this man of God. Now, if he gets out of line with the Lord, that needs to be dealt with. But until then, let's follow the man that God has given us to lead us. There's always a leader. To follow. Number two, there's always a work, the work, to finish. Hope Church was never the goal. Can I give you a word of discouragement? Here it is. One day, Hope Church is going to die. You know how I know that? All churches do. Every church got a book deal in the New Testament. It's dead and gone. Ephesus, Philippi, Corinth, Thessalonica, they're all gone. But listen to me. The kingdom of God is alive and well. Which means the aim of Hope Church is not the success of Hope Church. The aim of Hope Church is expansion of the kingdom of God in cities and nations all over the world. So now what's been entrusted to you, Scott, and to you as a fellowship is to leverage Hope Church for all it's worth to the expansion of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. And as you do that, let me, let me tell you this. Jesus said, if you'll seek first the kingdom, I'll take care of everything else. As long as you keep seeking first the kingdom, he will pour his favor and blessing out on this fellowship. There's always a work to finish. Here's the last thing. There's always the word to obey. There's always the word to obey. I don't know a better way to bring this to a close and Scott to read to you the very challenge that Paul wrote to a young man named Timothy when he was entrusting leadership to him here's what he said 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work I charge you I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom Scott here's the charge preach the word be ready in season and out of season. 
reprove, rebuke, and exhort. I love this phrase, with complete patience. Here's why, Scott. They're not going to get it the first time you preach it. You're going to have to preach it over and over and over and over and over again. But the time is coming, Scott, when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Scott, preach the word, man. You will not go wrong following this book. So with that, I want to invite our pastors and our stewardship team members that are here to come and join me on stage. I'm going to invite Scott and Candace. You come. And Christy, would you come along with Candace so she's not the only lady up here right now? Thank you. We're going to do what they did in the Scriptures. Bible says that they laid hands on the man of God and they prayed over him, setting him apart for service in the body of Christ. So that's what we're going to do in this moment. I'm going to ask all of you to lean into this moment and pray with us. God, I'm going to ask you to just kneel and I'll kneel with you so you don't have to do it by yourself. I'm going to ask everybody that can just to pull in as close as you can and we're going to lay hands on this brother today and I'm going to ask Pastor Tom McCormick to pray first, and then I will close this time of prayer. Let's pray over this brother today. Lord, you say in your word in 1 Chronicles 29, 25, So the Lord exalted Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him such royal majesty as had not been on any king before him in Israel. God, today thank you. We thank you for leaders. We thank you for the gift that they are to us. We thank you for the leadership throughout these years that have been given to this church. Lord, the planting of this church by Pastor Vance and God, all the leadership that even stands on this stage at the moment. God, we realize that leaders are given to us. Thank you for giving us Scott. Jesus, thank you for making him our senior leader, our senior pastor today. You are good. Gratitude comes from us to you for this gift. God, we ask that you would anoint him just as we read here. Lord, you anointed Solomon just like you anointed him, God. Anoint Scott to be the senior pastor of our church. Lord, we realize none of the pastors, none of the lead team, none of the stewardship team chose him. Lord, you chose him. And God, I pray that you would remind him of that often. He has an audience of one, Lord, and it's you. Lord, protect him. God, protect him, protect Candace and their kids from the onslaught that the enemy wants to do to them. Lord, from literally destroying their, their family, their lives, God, we realize that today you are also the protector, but Lord, you also use us as a protection for them too. So God, protect my brother and his wife today. Protect their marriage. God, protect their thought lives. God, protect, Lord, how they see this church that it's not above you, nor is it above each other. Lord, you've given him.
not just the right, but the anointing to do it. So protect their family, Lord. God, give him wisdom far beyond his years. God, beyond his learning. God, give him the wisdom that he needs that's from above. You said if we asked for it that you'd give it liberally. So there are hundreds of people this weekend and on Thursday night who are asking. Let's ask right now. God, give Scott wisdom to lead us, to make the decisions that he needs to make. God, I pray for continued humility for Scott. God, he's been humble before us. No matter if anybody else knows, the people on this stage know he's been humble. Not seeking his own, but seeking you. And God, I pray he'd do that in the days ahead because we're going to need him to be humble, to lead us. Lord, what flourishes when there's a good king? How will flourish as a church if he stays close to you in humility? And then God, I ask for his daily walk with you. God, I pray he'd get up every morning and run to you. Get up every morning knowing that his dependence on you is of the utmost, not just for us, but for himself. God, he is yours. You're gifting him to us, but he's yours. Lord, remind him last that all of us are here for him too. That part of that protection isn't just you, but it's you through us. God, hold him. Lord, will we hold him up when his arms are tired? God, would we pray for him constantly as a church, as a team? God, that you'd use him in the way that you want to use him. We're here for you, Lord, but we're also here to aid our brother. Remind him of that. God, thank you for bringing them to this church. I pray you bless he and Candace and the kids. We pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to just extend your hand as if you're laying hands on this couple right now. And this, this couple needs to hear their church pray out loud for them. I want to ask everybody in this building right now to just begin to pray for Scott and for Candace and their children and just pray out loud where they can hear you for a moment and then I'm going to close this. So just pray right now. Father, I come before you right now on behalf of this man. And Lord, I ask you right now for a double portion to be poured out on him. God, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God would fall on him today. Lord, as I have enjoyed for 22 years this incredible privilege, but Lord, I've also enjoyed so many moments with you that nobody but you and me will ever know about. Lord, I pray that for my brother. God, that you would lead him, that you would draw him to yourself, that you would pour out your spirit on him, and God, that you would bless him, that you would bless this fellowship through his leadership, that all the ends of the earth may fear you, God. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. We commission him. We set him apart today receiving him, God, as your gift to us. You have gifted us with a pastor, and we thank you for that. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray, and all of us say together, amen. Amen.